Welcome to Russell Off the Cuff. This is an interesting episode today. Why? Well, it's talking about emotion. Now, if you've been following the uh, Lost Art of Friendship series I've been doing, then it may not surprise you that I want to have an episode that talks about emotion. But it's interesting to talk about emotion. You probably feel emotion yourself. I know I do. And you probably, if you think about it, have quite a story to tell about the emotions that you've experienced, the things, the circumstances, the relationships, the opportunities, the disappointments, the hurts, regrets, the pain, the pleasure and benefit and blessing that emotions can be. There are a tremendous number of books that have been written about emotions, documentaries. There's been a great examination of emotion. And so in one sense, this is well-trodden trodden territory. I do come at it from a little different perspective that I don't believe that emotions operate uh, independently of our spiritual selves. I'm going to be releasing an article that this podcast will be attached to, but I want you to know that in this podcast, I just want to make mention of the fact that emotion without spirituality is missing something. And I know for me, I can remember back various points of my life that I had a tremendous amount of emotion, sometimes sometimes suppressed, other times expressed, and then other times overwhelming. What really helped me was understanding that there is a spiritual partner that emotion needs to have that when you combine the spirit with the heart the emotions with spirituality something very special and more balanced happens and so while I won't talk expressly about that in this particular episode it'll be peppered in and I know for some people they don't like talking about religion Um, they don't mind talking about spirituality but they don't want too much I understand that I respect that there are a tremendous number of reasons but I would offer this that without the partnership with spirituality emotion tends to be suppressed or it tends to be overwhelming it goes to extremes the capacity to reach into a level of understanding about life who we are and what we do. Well, that's what spirituality really is. It's about finding meaning and purpose. It's about finding a source of strength that doesn't leave us completely on our own. You know, one of the most amazing passages of scripture, if you want to read one in Psalm 63, where the psalmist, I believe it's David, says, your love is better than life. Now, that's a very interesting passage. That's a very interesting concept. Your love is better than life. It's as if the psalmist had lived enough life to know that you can't, you can't count on the crowd supporting you forever. You can't count on your circumstances being great forever. You can't even count on those who may express their love to you one day 
But then when circumstances change, they withdraw that same love. And I think that David in the Psalm 63, it's noted that he's in the desert of Judah. So think about your life in the desert. In the desert of life, he says, the one thing I can count on is your love. Spirituality, one would argue, could argue, is about finding the kind of love that makes you unshakable, secure, certain. And out of that unshakableness, that security and that certainty, we're able to walk through this life and handle the circumstances, the problems, take advantage of the opportunities without letting the opportunities go to our head. We're able to do all that. The life of emotion, the experience of emotion is incredible. We can go from being supremely joyful in a moment, let's say a birthday party, anniversary. We can go from being supremely excited in a moment. Maybe we're out for a good time with our friends and maybe we have met the one Perhaps we succeeded in our career or at a sports contest where we're competing for a championship or playoff like March Madness, which is going on right now. But in those moments, they can quickly fly away when a more negative thing happens. And we find ourselves on a roller coaster emotionally. Maybe you're feeling that way. And all of that roller coaster experience all of that uncertain feeling that one day i'm really feeling great and the next day i'm really feeling terrible during this pandemic one day we think man it's great to be home with our families and not running around everywhere and the next minute we want to run away and go to the mountains go to go to swiss the swiss alps (laughs) go to Go get an RV and and travel the country just to get away because we're overwhelmed. Our emotions are so unpredictable. One day you love someone, the next day you hate someone. One day you read a book, you think this book is awesome, then it goes into some area that you are uncomfortable with. You hate the book, you put it down, you get rid of it, you don't ever want to see it again. In the middle of all the craziness that emotions can produce, I ask a question of myself and of you. Are we emotion phobic? Am I emotion phobic? Brene Brown is essential reading for anyone who wants to understand their emotional life. There are many great books that talk about emotion, but the reason I like her work is because she doesn't just talk about how we feel. She talks about vulnerability. She talks about the courage to delve into, to express, to think about, to explore our emotional life. That's where I first ran into the term emotion phobic reading her book, Rising Strong. And before I even learned the definition, I knew it was me. You know, facing death is, death, not death. Let me take that back. Can you raise that? Can you get that out of your mind? We're doing real well. Facing truth is difficult. See how I did that? Truth and difficult turned into death. Truth, when truth is difficult, we, it feels like death. Hey, that's one, that's one for the books right there. But facing truth, 
Facing truth is difficult. It's incremental and sometimes painful, but it's necessary. And the truth is that I knew I was probably emotion phobic when I was 11 or so. But I didn't understand that's what was happening to me till many decades later. That's because facing truth is difficult. It's also incremental. Sometimes we can't get to truth simply because getting to truth takes time. And one of the reasons it can take time is because sometimes, maybe many times, getting to the truth is painful, but it's necessary. If you're listening to this right now and you're saying, yeah, I'm not into this emotion phobic thing. I'm not emotion phobic. I'm fine. That may be true. But it also may be because the idea of understanding and applying and deeply diving into our emotion phobic tendencies can be painful and we don't even want to go there. And I find in my conversations with people, spiritual conversations, conversations that take place when talking about products we're creating or work we're doing in the, in the tech side of things, or whether it's on the religious Christianity side of things, it doesn't matter. What I find consistently is people who, as soon as we begin to go deeper into feeling or thought or experiences, they shut down. Now, one thing I found interesting is people who shut down are willing to open up when their emotions become negative. So if they're angry, if they're bitter, if they're mad, they're, I just repeated myself, angry and mad. When they're angry and they're bitter and they're resentful, it's like, again, I'm going to refer to a Bible passage, it's like Job. He was willing at one point to, to fully vent his, his bitterness, give full vent to how he felt about life. What I think is really important is if we're really good at venting the negative, we have to ask ourselves, do we ever express the positive? Because one of the things that can happen is we, we emotion phobic can be partly that we only use our emotions as a weapon. We weaponize our emotions to hurt people that we feel have hurt us. So unraveling this idea of emotion phobia is supremely important. And when I realized I was emotion phobic, when I got it all together and was able to put all the pieces together, it made sense of my life. It helped me understand my emotional avoidance and suppression and why I so desperately needed an emotional education. Emotional avoidance is about being resistant. Emotional suppression is about being resistant. Resistant to what? Three things, vulnerability, transparency, and the humility necessary to do both. That's the process. To get past our emotion phobic tendencies, we have to be willing to be vulnerable, but that's really hard. Transparent, that's really hard. Humble. That's really hard. Exactly. And it's so worth it. And emotional education, if I could sum it up into three things, it's getting to a place where we're no longer willing, we actually getting to a place where we're willing to admit we're emotionally avoidant, we emotionally suppress, but not stop there. Because I find a lot of people say, well, yeah, I shut down. That made me shut down. Oftentimes when we feel like we shut down um, because someone said something to us or something happened, that's a reflex we developed in order to be emotionally avoidant and to emotionally suppress. And so the first step really to getting past being emotion phobic is to admit I avoid and suppress emotion 
Now I need an emotional education. How do I get that? I've got to build relationships that are vulnerable, ones where I let down and I let my true self be known. Check out Brene Brown's works to be able to, to, to get that. And I'll try to put some of those in the, uh, in the show notes uh, to this episode. And then you have to be transparent. So not only do we let down and be ourselves, but we let people know the particular things that need to be known about us in order to understand us, the good and the bad. But none of these take place when we re- unless we reach humility. Humility to me, in many ways, humility is the absence of um, is the absence of insecurity. That's probably the best way. That's probably the, the best way to describe humility is to say, you know what, that that's the absence of insecurity, and we almost need to talk about that for a moment, don't we? The absence of insecurity. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write that down. It's a little messy. You won't be able to understand it if you look at the notes to my article, unless you, um, unless you're really good. Maybe I'll be able to erase it and rewrite it in a better way. So look at the notes on there, and I put it down there. Vulnerability number one, transparency number two, but number three, humility, and humility is the absence of insecurity. What my experience in leadership has taught me as a leader of both secular and spiritual organizations is how common it is for people to be unaware of neglect or ignore their emotional life. So when we are involved in emotional avoidance and suppression, there's usually three reasons. We're unaware. We've just not even, we're not feeling anything. We've gone emotionally numb. We're neglecting our emotional life. We don't want to even take time to think about it or talk about it, or we're ignoring it. That's, in me, the definition of superficiality. When we're unwilling to go deeper into our inner life, our inner life is pretty much emotion and spirituality. When we're unwilling to do that, that's the definition of being superficial. When we lack emotional depth, our lives begin to run an emotional deficit, leaving us, number one, dissatisfied, number two, discontent and lonely because of the emotionally distant relationships dissatisfied, discontent, and distant. That's the result of running an emotional deficit where we are unaware, neglectful of, or ignoring our emotional lives. Running an emotional deficit in our lives is like dehydration. Have you ever gotten thirsty? I learned a lot about being thirsty. I remember a doctor told me, when you're thirsty, you're already probably a liter dehydrated. That was news to me. And it became upon an occasion where I fainted. And he said, you were dehydrated. That's why you fainted. But he said, you, 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 you don't go by your thirst. You, you can't wait for thirst. Once you get to thirsty, you already are, you're already in danger. So running an emotional deficit is a lot like dehydration. And guess what? 75% of the American population is dehydrated. They fall short of the 10 daily cups prescribed by the Institute of Medicine which in medical terms means that most people in the U.S. are functioning in a chronic state of dehydration. Yeah, 75% of people function, function every minute of the day in a chronic state of dehydration. And you know what? Water Logic reports that despite the negative health and cognitive effects of dehydration, most adults go through their daily lives in this state. Even though it's negative effect on your health, even though it has a negative effect on your brain, we just go ahead and we do it. And I, when it comes to emotional dehydration, if you would. We do the same things. So let me suggest that we're not only chronically water dehydrated, 
but we are also chronically emotionally dehydrated. And the reason for it, the reason for the emotional dehydration is our phobias, our fear and avoidance of emotion. So what is emotion phobia and why is it unhealthy? Miriam Greenspan, a psychotherapist and the author of Healing Through the Dark Emotions, was interviewed by Jungian, Jungian, Jungian therapist Barbara Platik and the Sun Magazine. The article has been required reading in my classes since it first appeared in 2008. Greenspan explains why she believes our culture is emotion phobic and that we fear and devalue emotion. That's from Rising Strong by Brene Brown. We fear and devalue emotion. So there's more information for you. What is emotion phobia? It's when you fear and devalue emotion. If you like me are or have been emotion phobic, then you know that despite our resistance to emotional relationships and despite our resistance to emotional experiences, it's actually what we really want. We actually really want to be close to people. Again, in Rising Strong by Brene Brown. But despite our fear, there's something in us that wants to feel all these emotional energies because they are the juice of life. We want to feel attached. We want to feel intimacy. We want to feel connected. Even as I write, there's a smile, a chuckle. That's what I wrote. And even as I sit here now, there's a smile and a chuckle in my heart as I recognize my emotion phobic tendencies. I just know it. And then I reflect in the words of Brene Brown and I'm reminded that most of the disappointing, self-destructive, self-sabotaging, dysfunctional, and painful relationship experiences in my life have come from being emotionally phobic. Fear of rejection. Or times when I've rejected people. Fear of distance. People distancing themselves from me or I've distanced myself from someone else. Fear of resistance. I don't want to go into that relationship because I don't know that they want the relationship and they're resisting being involved in a conversation, being close friends, whatever may be the case, or times when I've resisted. Exclusion, times when I've been excluded or I've excluded other people. Again, in Rising Strong, when we suppress and diminish our emotions, when we suppress and diminish our emotions, we feel deprived. So we watch horror movies or so-called reality shows like Fear Factor. We seek out emotional intensity vicariously because when we are emotionally numb, we need a great deal of stimulation to feel something, anything. So emotional pornography provides the stimulation, but it's only ersat emotion. It doesn't teach us anything about ourselves or the world. Vicarious experience of emotion is third party experience of emotion. Let me play a video game. Let me watch a horror movie. Let me let me go do something that'll make me feel emotion. And it's false intimacy. But you know what? When you have false intimacy, when you have no intimacy, false intimacy is acceptable. Emotional phobias lead us to suppress and diminish our emotions. After a time, we become emotionally deprived or dehydrated. This emotional deprivation or dehydration leads us in a state of emotional hunger or thirst, at which time we pursue emotionally intense stimulation to satisfy our appetites. But being emotionally numb, that's what the Greenspan's talking about, who Brene Brown is quoting. Being emotionally numb, we choose emotional pornography or unhealthy emotional pursuits instead of healthy ones. Instead of healthy uh, attachments and healthy relationships, friends, family, connection, people, God. We end up choosing ambition, achievement, risky behavior, self-destructive behaviors. 
Being emotion phobic is humorous and serious. You can laugh sometimes. I'm sure you can remember some things you're thinking about now that you've done or that were just ridiculous and made no sense and others that were serious where you hurt people. I know I've done that. We need to be able to laugh at the foolish relationship mistakes we've made because of our lack of emotional understanding. At the same time, we need to apply serious effort and honesty in our effort to conquer our emotional phobia so we build healthy rather than unhealthy relationships. How do we do it? How do we conquer our emotional phobias? A last quote from Rising Strong, Brene Brown. I don't think we can learn much about ourselves, our relationship, or the world without recognizing and getting curious about emotion. Here's what I think you should do. If you really want to work on this, go ahead and get that article. Are you, an emo- Are you emotion phobic? It'll be dropping on Lead Different, and you can get the article. And go through the questions. I list five questions, as well as references to a couple of articles. And that can be some, some real good work. Um, trust me, it'll really help you to reflect and to think it through. And here's the good news. If we're willing to take it on, to be aware, to engage, to go for vulnerability, to go for transparency, and to have the humility to do both, then I think we're going to see a, uh, an ability to conquer emotion, phobic tendencies and inclinations like maybe never in our life. It's happened for me. It's happened for many people I've worked with, talked to, and that are friends. This is Russ Off the Cuff. I'm always grateful that you listen and you take the time. I hope you'll take a look at leaddiff.com. Find the article, Are You Emotion Phobic? Take a look at it. You can read it. I've gone over a lot of it here, but the part I haven't gone over is conquering our emotional phobias and the five questions that you want to take a look at there. Thanks a lot.